Hey, what's up guys? It's Josh. I'm a fourth year med student and I'm hanging out in Detroit. It's still cold here despite it being almost May. I'm sick of it. So I'm staying in. We're going to go through uh, cell surface proteins today. Uh, let's get into it. So cell surface proteins and adhesion is what I want to talk about. And the purpose of these cell to cell uh, or I guess cell proteins is to have um, connections between cells but also to anchor those cells to a basement membrane. So the purpose of these like molecules and proteins we're going to talk about for the most part is to create cell-to-cell -cell junctions. We're going to talk about the different types of junctions and then it also is to anchor uh, these cells to a basement membrane. Right? So I just want to quickly mention like the basement membrane is uh, made up of this uh, basically basal lamina and it uh, provides support for the attaching epithelium, right? And we ho haven't really talked about epithelium. Hopefully you know what that is, but it's basically just like a way of saying like a line or grouping of cells. And the composition of the basal lamina or base basement membrane, hopefully you listen to the extracellular matrix, but it's made up of a ton of proteoglycans, a ton of glycoproteins, and a ton of type 4 collagen, right? Specifically, um, heparin sulfate, laminin, and type 4 collagen, okay? So let's talk about the type of molecules that are going to allow for this um, uh, basically um, attachment, okay? We're going to start with cadherin, okay? So cadherin is bound intracellularly to actin via um, a protein called catenin, right? So it goes actin, actin is bound to catenin, catenin uh, attaches that cadherin to the uh, cell and then that cell is will use that cadherin to bind to another cell via its subsequent uh, via the like opposing cadherin. So cadherins bind to cadherins via a calcium dependent mechanism. So that's what I want you to take away from this, okay? Cadherins are calcium dependent when they bind to each other. They work in a di they're, they're, they're dimers and basically the cadherin dimer will bind extra extracellularly to another cadherin dimer on an opposing cell. And then those cadherins are anchored internally or intracellularly to actin via a protein called catenin. Okay? So the next one I want to talk about is selectin. Selectin is another calcium-dependent uh, um, type of cell adhesion protein. So in order for it to bind, calcium has to be present. And what this does, the interesting thing about selectin specifically, I don't know if you remember us talking about this, but proteins can be post-translationally modified to show sugar molecules. That's called glycosylation, right? So these proteins that are basically anchored at, via a, um, a fatty acid tail into the membrane wall on the cell, right, will then also have um, an exposed glycosylated chain. And a cell that wants to bind to that glycosylated chain is going to use selectin as basically the medium to do that. So selectin is going to see this uh, glycose or carbohydrate, carbohydrate chain and bind to that, okay? And there's a few different types of selectins depending on the type of molecule, or I'm sorry, the, depending on the type of cell 
that is trying to bind to that gl uh, glycoprotein. So for leukocytes, which is, a, is basically a general descriptor of white blood cells, they're gonna have these things called L-selectin, right? L for leukocytes, selectin. And L-selectin is gonna try to bind to these glycoproteins called Sial-Lewis, uh, okay? So Sial-Lewis is a type of glycoprotein that's gonna be on like an epithelial, uh, like, membrane and as the leukocyte comes by it's selected is going to see that glycoprotein and bind to that all right platelets have a type of selectin called p selectin p for platelets and these bind to endothelial cells right when you damage your blood vessel the blood vessel's internal lining is called an endothelial cell and when that's exposed it's going to show basically a glycoprotein that platelets are going to want to clump onto right to help with blood clotting and then finally, E-selectin, which stands for endothelial cells, right? These are not um, endothelial cells, E. Endothelial cells will show E-selectin, right? And these will bind to basically uh, leukocytes that are going and passing by and help the leukocytes come, and then they'll bind as well uh, via their L-selectin. And it creates this like really strong, uh, that'll help basically the leukocyte to get past the endothelial cell into wherever this like acute inflammation state is. We'll get into that on a later episode. I'm going to do like a whole series on immunology, but I just want you to be aware of selectins. They utilize glyco um, proteins as their ligands, right? A ligand is basically like something that is bound, like you're trying to bind. So selectins use glycoproteins as ligands, okay? And they're calcium dependent. The final type of protein I want to talk about is called an integrin. These, you know how like uh, selectin and um, cadherin are calcium dependent? Well, integrins are calcium independent. They don't require calcium to actually form their bonds. And the interesting part about them is that they bind intracellular, intracellularly to actin. But then extracellularly, they actually bind to fibronectin and laminin. And I don't know if you remember this, but those are components of the extracellular matrix, right? So that's sort of interesting, right? The, the previous two examples, selectin, as well as um, cadherins, were binding directly to uh, either like uh, glycoproteins or um, uh, like... Um, uh, the direct dimer on the opposing cell, but what integrins bind to is components of the extracellular matrix that the cell is surrounding, right? So that's sort of an interesting difference here. So integrins not only are calcium independent, but they bind to the extracellular matrix, not necessarily to a um, protein attached directly or a glycoprotein attached to the cell. And they're gonna specifically bind, again, to fibronectin and laminin. And if you remember what laminin is, that's a type of glycoprotein, but it's, ex it's, it's in the actual extracellular matrix, right? And the interesting thing here is that like integrins, when you have um, dysfunction either here uh, and here, you're gonna get a type of disease. It's called a leukocyte adhesion deficiency, LAD1. And this is due to basically neutrophils, which is another type of white blood cell, um, or a leuco another type of leukocyte, and, uh, not being able to like adhere to specific parts of the extracellular matrix. This is way above. We're going to get into it in um, immunology, but I just want you to be aware that uh, that this is like that like dysfunction in binding molecules can cause a lot of dysfunction in our um, 
uh, immune system because that's like uh, we have white blood cells floating around in our blood and they need to be able to bind, stop themselves at the specific area of inflammation and then get to that infection, okay? So the next part I want to talk about are the types of cell-to-cell -cell junctions, right? So we've talked about like the types of molecules that are involved in creating those cell-to-cell -cell, um, connections, but now I want to uh, talk about the kind of um, junctions there are. And for us to do that appropriately, I need to orient you to where these um, junction or these basically cell-cell junctions are going to be taking place. And you have to understand, I've mentioned it in a few episodes now, but you have to know that the apex of a cell is at the very top, and the base of the cell is attached to the basement membrane. Okay. Tight junctions happen at the apex of the cell, right? They connect the apex of two cells together, and these are also known as zonula occludens, okay? And it makes sense. A tight junction, nothing gets by. The entrance is completely occluded, okay? And the structure of this is going to be zona occludens, Clodin proteins, and what these proteins are is they span, they span the entire, they're, they're transmembrane proteins. They span from one cell to another, and they basically... Um, will bind to actin intracellularly on one end and then bind uh, to cell B uh, intracellularly on the opposite end, right? So that's what clotin proteins do. They bind cell A uh, via, they bind the actin in cell A intracellularly, spanned the entire membrane, so they go from one membrane to another transmembrane into the other cell B, and then they bind to actin uh, in that cell as well. And that creates this super tight um, junction, which is why it's called a tight junction, and it prevents diffusion of water of any substances between these cells, and then it also creates the cell's polarity, right? It identifies the apex of the cell. Um, so that's what tight junctions are. Next, I want to talk about adherin junctions, right? These are called, these are known as zonula adherins, right? It makes, you should be able to memorize this, right? Zonula occludens is tight junctions. Zonula adherins are adherence junctions. In the structure of adherin junctions, they use cadherin proteins. If you remember from our previous discussion of what cadherin proteins are, these are calcium dependent dimers that bind to other cadherins. They bind cadherins on cell A to cadherins on cell B, right? And then they bind intracellularly to actin, um, and then they and they do that via this protein called catenin. Okay, we talked about this previously. So junctions, adherin junctions, zonula adherins, they utilize cadherin proteins to bind to each other, and they're usually located just below the um, apex, below the tight junctions, okay? And you can sort of think of these that this is like a belt, right? This keeps this keeps the cell, like, the, the tight junction is super tough, but these, these adherent junctions keeps everything like snug and stuck together, okay? So then next up, you're going to have these things called desmosomes. And this is a little bit of a different name. It's called macula adherens. So adherin junction is zonula adherens. Desmosome is macula adherens. And again, the structure here is it's going to be cadherin proteins. But rather than um, the proteins being linked intracellularly uh, via actin, they're linked actually to intermediate filaments. So the intermediate filaments within the cell are going to be keratin and desmoplakin proteins, right? And that's an interesting fact. That's the difference here between um, uh, adherin junctions, right, and desmosomes. Desmosomes are linked to um, intermediate filaments intracellularly. 
However, the cad the cadherin after the cadherin you know intracellularly is bound to these intermediate filaments. The cadherin still binds to cell B from you know the cadherin on cell A binds to the cadherin on cell B still via a calcium dependent mechanism. The only difference is what it's bound to intracellularly, and this is located at, sort of at the very um, uh, base, uh, not the base. I'm sorry, those are hemidesmosomes, but desmosomes are located at the like basically lower portion of the side of the cell-to-cell -cell junction, okay? So it's still um, there. And what it does is it gives strength uh, to the junction between the cells, right? So I want you to picture this. The tight junctions are like, um, uh, like nails. They nail the cells together, keep them super tight, right? The adherent junctions is sort of the glue. And then the desmosomes are like these like screws at towards the base that keep and give it all strength okay so next up are hemidesmosomes and this is actually what i what i was trying to get at this is what keeps the cells um studded to the basement membrane right this is what uh the apex is at the very top this is at the very bottom hemidesmosomes make up the bottom and the way that they connect to the basement membrane is via integrins the basement membrane is made up of a bunch of uh like glycoproteins and um, proteoglycans and just things like that. So you're going to want the, and there's not going to be any other cells there. It's going to be made up of type 4 collagen. It's going to have a bunch of extracellular matrix. So what do you use to bind to that? Well, you're going to use integrins to bind to that. So hemidesmosomes are integrins, right? They're, they bind to type 4 collagen, fibronectin, laminin of the basal uh, lamina extracellularly. And then they also intracellularly bind to their intermediate filaments. If you remember, when I was, to, I was introducing integrins, I said that they combine to actin. Well, actin has a special property of basically like being able to quickly, move, uh, quickly grow and also break down. But intermediate filaments um, are, uh, they, they, the only way for them to break down is via ubiquination, actually breaking down that protein structure. So with um, you know, cells that want to be stuck to the basement membrane for a long time, they'll utilize um, intermediate filaments rather than actin because they won't need to break them down. They'll want to stay in place. So integrins will bind to um, intermediate filaments here for hemidesmosomes. Another thing, just to help you remember, desmosomes um, you know, are, are connections between cells to cell. Hemidesmosomes is cell to basement membrane. It's half of the relationship. Hemi, half, hemidesmosomes, okay? And that's going to help you remember where hemidesmosomes are in relation to um, the uh, cell. So the last thing I want to talk about are just gap junctions, right? So, so far we've talked about what connects cells to other cells um, and then what connects a cell to basically the basement membrane. Well, now I want to talk about these things called gap junctions. And what gap junctions are is like what it allows basically cells to communicate with each other. It's the, it's the holes between cells that allow for passage of ions and um, other types of like uh, molecules. So these are formed by um, six connexon proteins. And that's what forms the pores between these cells called gap junctions. It allows for direct passage of small molecules uh, from one cell to another, like I said, like calcium or another molecule, which we haven't talked about yet, but C-AMP. And basically what it plays a role in is electrical and metabolic signaling, okay? These are not um, related to the gap. Again, this is just for intracellular or intra, what is it? Intracellular communication, okay? Conne uh, communication between one cell to another. So hopefully you found this helpful. 
Um, before I go, I just want to talk about some interesting diseases related to um, you know, dysfunction and cell-to-cell -cell, uh, junctions. And, um, but if you don't want to hear that and you just want to go back through uh, the specifics of these cells and maybe try to write down this stuff so that you have it for your own reference, go ahead. But I'll go ahead and just talk about the sort of the clinical um, uh, correlations here. So when you have um, autoantibodies against desmosomal proteins, uh, specifically in keratinocytes, you get a disease called pemphigus vulgaris. This uh, disease uh, results in painful flaccid vesicles that form on the skin and within the oral mucosa. That's key, okay? You're going to find them within the mouth. This is pemphigus vulgaris. And basically what happens is because you have these autoantibodies against desmosomal proteins, right? You're going to you're going to have a um your epidermis is going to basically like slough off, right? It's going to disconnect and tear really easily. Right, and this is called a Nikolsky sign. It's uh, it, it, when when you're able to rub your skin with gently rubbing, and the outer dermis separates and sort of tears. That's called a positive Nikolsky sign, and that is pathognomonic. When we talk about pathognomonic, it means like this is a mnemonic that is specific for this this kind of pathology. It's positive. It's a positive Nikolsky sign, right? And it's located above the basal layer, right? Remember that desmosomes are located above the basal membrane, right? So this results in basically a loss of connection between cells, aka acantholysis. When you have when you have disruption between cells, it's called acantholysis. Right, and this and this basically results in um, pemphigus vulgaris when the desmosomes are the ones that are being um, uh, disrupted. The treatment for this is corticosteroids. All of this is a little bit past step one. I just want to give you a, you know fair heads up. You should know it, and it's not a problem if you do it. It's probably good, so you have a better understanding for step one. But you'll be tested on this. This is more of a, a step two type of question, but it definitely could be asked in step one as well. So. That's for desmosomes, right? For for hemidesmosomes, there's a, a disease called bolus pemphigoid, right? And this is when you have autoantibodies against the basement membranes, hyper, uh, uh, hemidesmosomes, okay? This is a hypersensitivity. We haven't talked about this yet, so it's okay that you don't know it. But it, the other one was a hypersensitivity as well. Just basically means it's an autoimmune disease. It's autoantibodies against basement membrane hemidesmosomes, okay? This is a wide distribution of skin blisters. It's all over your skin, but the key here is it won't be in the mouth. It will not be in the oral mucosa. So what happens is these, it's bolus, right? And bolus is when you have these large, uh, I, I implore you to go look at what a bolus, uh, a boloid is, but basically what it is, it's a, it's, it's a, a blister that um, is below the epidermis, and but uh, it's basically because the basement membrane has separated um, from the cells have separated from the basement membrane, but they still remain uh, intact. You can imagine it's like a parachute, right? When you at, when you were a kid, everybody, um, you know, there there were these parachute games that you could play as a kid, where the kids would line up on the outside, and everybody would flap air underneath it, and then once it was up in the air, they'd sit under, they would pin the the um, parachute under their butts and the and the parachute would create this sort of balloon and that's what happens here the parachute is not connected to the ground anymore but there there's still connections between the cells right so it creates this bolus shape this is called bolus pemphigoid and it's due to uh, autoantibodies against the basement membrane hemidesmosomes but it's not located in the oral mucosa that's that's the key here and be and the reason and the interesting part is because 
the cells are still connected and there's no acantholysis, you're going to have a negative Nikolsky sign. There's not going to be separation of that epidermis when you rub it, okay? So that's the key distinguishing factors between these two. How do you keep them straight? Well, for me, I like to think of hemidesmosomes being in the basement membrane. B for basement membrane is B for bolus pemphigoid. So bolus pemphigoid, B for uh, basement membrane, Basement membrane has hemidesmosomes. That's how I keep it straight. Uh, and then by virtue of that, the other one is going to be your desmosomes, bolus uh, pemphigus vulgaris, and it's going to be autoantibodies against your uh, desmosomes there. So that's what I have for you on this episode. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, signal transduction, intracellular signal transduction. Um, really looking forward to this. Cell signaling is pretty interesting. It's basically, you know, We've gone over a lot of the different types of uh, functions that are within a cell, but we haven't really figured out like why these are happening. And this is all happening due to cell signaling. So we'll get into this in the next episode. This is going to be episode, that'll be episode number 17. Um, hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you there.